Hey everyone, welcome back. You're listening to the 24 Faithful Podcast. I'm Bradley Adams, joined as ever by Joel Wood. Joel, we've got the last four episodes of Live Another Day to talk about here, and we, we're right at the end now. We, I mean, it suddenly struck me last night, actually, that I've finished watching the show again. That, that's kind of quite scary. Yeah. And also, um, it also makes me think, because I mean, throughout the throughout the series of twenty four, it's always been a little um, a little suspend your disbelief that they can get all this done in a twenty four hour period. But I'm but I'm but I'm okay with it. But then when you when you sit down and and think about the end of Live Another Day, and you think about that all of this that happened in just twelve hours, because remember the time jump happens at the end. So all of this basically happened in twelve hours. Mm. Well, we'll kind talk about a that. Little, little, just a little bit uh, hard to swallow there. I mean, there are many things in twenty four that are, but but you just got to get on with them. That's what well, you keep that, telling me when I that, criticize that, things, isn't it? That 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 there are, but that one's right up there. <laughs> well, we'll definitely come on to the ending, but we'll uh, we will come on to the other plots first, and we'll start this week with Jack taking down Margot. So, of course, last week we talked about Hella having um, survived the attack on Wembley Stadium. Chloe looped the feed and tricked Margot into thinking that Hella was dead. She just about saw through it in time to save one of the drones and decides to target Waterloo Station, which actually is a fairly sensible place to to target at 7pm on a, on a weekday. Um, that's going to be fairly hefty with people, and especially when there was a little mini panic and people were trying to escape. So that was a, a, a good option from Margot, but Jack tracked her down and saved the station after a shootout. Kate and Eric were there as well. And then um, having sort of proven to, to the government, I guess, and um, stopped stopping the missiles, proven that she's alive, decided to throw her out of a window in one of the more memorable deaths, I would say, that Jack has inflicted upon 24. Yeah, Jack just, um, Jack just got the got past the point of caring at the, at this point, I guess. The whole the whole scene was well done. Um having Jack having Jack basically glide into the into the to the window and then um Ian sees him and starts shooting at him so he, he ducks behind the behind the window and then Ian goes to look for him and tries to and tries to see if he if he got him. And then Jack just sticks his hand in the window and just pulls him out of the window. <laughs> I mean, Ian's an idiot for standing that close. Like, they they know who Jack Bauer is. It, like, it, come on, it, it, Ian is not the smartest. Is not the smartest villain in twenty fourth no. Street. Um, and then Margot, you you knew once Ian died, Margot didn't stand a chance because I mean let's let's be honest she's not gonna win a hand to hand battle with Jack so <laughs> so that was that was pretty easy to uh, to decipher but having having him just grab her and her accuse him of all of the deaths today are on your head and and Jack says. I'm paraphrasing here, but it's one of my favorite lines where he says, the only death that's on my hands is yours. And then he just chucks her out the window. <laughs> it 
it, it probably wasn't meant to be funny, but it was one of the funniest moments in the series. Yeah, there is a there is a sort of dark comedy element to it, isn't there? That Jack, I mean, Jack doesn't usually do this. Like Jack, I sort of wrote it down as one of the few, or or, or there are not many outright murders that Jack commits that are not self defense or based in some sort of revenge. Obviously, there were loads of deaths that he's he's caused because he's getting revenge for something. You know, the ones at the docks in season one, uh, all the stuff for with Renee, uh, Christopher Henderson, Nina. Th- that list is fairly expansive. But in terms of sort of people that he doesn't have to kill, he has no particular reason to kill. There's a very short list, I think, of this. And it, it's a fairly niche th- point to make. But this feels... It feels very rare for Jack, and yeah, th- there there is a definitely a comedic element to this that because like it's it's fairly cartoonish, isn't it? That throwing someone out of a window, you know, it's the kind of thing that you'd expect Jerry to do to Tom, <laughs> and him like crash into the floor and like the ground outside and go like twenty feet into the earth, and then then it cuts to he's setting a mousetrap or whatever. Mm-hmm. That that that's kind of that's how I'm picturing. If you were to describe someone throwing something out of a window, a person out of a window in a TV show, that's probably one of the things I picture. I wouldn't necessarily think Jack Bauer throwing out a terrorist for no particular reason. It's a really weird one. Um, I, I, I like it, but I don't think, I don't know if I, I like the Jack that this is because this is like, he's we've established at this point and, and we see it uh, later on in this episode with uh, Steve and then with Eric in the next episode when he's about to interrogate Steve, that Jack at this point has, like, he just has no patience for anything and anyone and apart from probably Kate and Audrey. And, like, Margot just ha- has done all these things and he's just had enough. And so, whatever, you're going to get thrown out of a window. It, it's, it, it feels very next level for Jack, even though, it's nowhere near the worst thing he's done by any stretch. It it just it it has that weird feel of of being quite different and and quite substantial for him. Well, because usually in situations like this, he he'll arrest the person and and wait and take them, take them into custody. This is one of the few the few times in the series that Jack has had a had a villain in custody that he did not have a personal connection to. So we're taking Nina out of the equation. They did not have a personal connection to or did not personally, you know, kill anybody close to him or whatever. And then just instead of taking him into custody, just outright kills him. No, uh, no provocation or, you know, anything like that. He just yep, kills him. And I thought that that was a very, uh, I guess you could say weird departure from how he usually is in the series. But then when you, when you realize the, the Jack Bauer that we are faced with at this point in the season, um, this is a, a, you realize this is a totally different Jack Bauer than we are used to, which kind of makes sense as to why he would do that. Um, when you think about, all that he's been through and the the struggle and the, the where his character is at at this point in the season. 
then you start to put it in in context and it starts to make a little bit more sense. But it's still kind of a, a jarring, it's kind of a jarring difference from the Jack Bauer that we're used to for the previous eight and a half seasons. Yeah, and I think there is also an element that if you look at those previous captures, a lot of the time, in fact, probably all the time, uh, there may be ones I'm forgetting, but there was always a, like, they'd always need the villain for something. You know, like Syed Ali came into my head and obviously they needed him to fight the bomb. Uh, Saunders needed him to find the vials of of the virus. Uh, Marwan, trying to track the missile and, and get out of him, whatever, you know, you knew that Marwan's plans probably were not done. Obviously, this was a very different time for Jack, and he was a lot more uh, law, law, law abiding. I was going to say lawless. That's exactly what he is now, isn't it? Um, but he, you know, he he followed he followed some rules back then, and 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 that one being fairly paramount that he doesn't kill suspects just because if they're trying to kill him or whatever, fine. But by and large, he'll take them into custody first and, and try and get what he can out of them. And then people like Christopher Henderson and, and Nina at the end, when they've outlived their usefulness, will just get killed. This time, this time, this time it was different because there w- there was no use for Margot, and this is kind of one of the things that feeds into my criticism last week about Heller having his his death faked. But if Margot succeeds in killing Heller, then what's her story? Because she's got no drone, she's got no reason to attack anything, she's got no methodology to attack anything or anyone so where does she go it, it kind of just becomes then a, a, a stage for her to try and escape london escape britain and get away from jack i guess that's probably the only thing that would happen to her so from that aspect the hella stuff that i criticized last week makes sense but then like it makes sense here because like what's margot gonna do if you take her into custody you've 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 taken control of the drone you got the override there's only that one drone left anyway. You know, she's not going to... It feels fairly simple just to put her in prison, I guess. Just just kill her and throw her out the window, Bradley. That's not, that's, there's nothing left for Margo at this point. Because if you, li- because if you, leave, her, if you leave her alive, there's a chance that she may come back. Yep. So I think, I think Jack at this point just didn't want to take any chances. No, and... Like, what does he care anymore? He's he's already a fugitive. I guess he, he got that pardoned, but, you know, he's done so th- so many things beyond the law that what's one more death? I mean, we, just, we can just add that to that list on the on uh, Mark's computer earlier in the season of, yes. of kills. Yes, add that, that list incidentally list. taken directly from the Wiki24, I'm led to believe, um, which is which is great. That's, that's, that's what I thought. It's, it's a... It's a good thing that they uh, proofread the list before they did that because, you know, anybody can edit the wiki page. So it's, it's, it's a good thing that they proofread the list before they just put it up there. Mm, indeed. But then moving on. So back at C- back at the CIA, I should say, not CTU, um, although it often feels like the CTU, doesn't it? Um, Steve Navarro, of course, having been revealed as a traitor, uh, tries to plan his escape with Adrian Cross. He wants the override device and Adrian, uh, sorry, Steve agrees to give it to him because he wants out. The police discover Jordan's body and the hitman, of course, with him. And that becomes knowledge of the CIA and of Kate. And so they're obviously investigating 
what's happened to Jordan, how it's happened. Jack has the hitman identified as the former covert ops assassin. He once reported to Steve Navarro, which obviously leads Jack to realizing that Navarro was the traitor who, in the meantime, has taken the override and escaped. He drops it off for Adrian Cross, who double crosses him, doesn't help him get escape, and Jack arrests him. And then he bargains for immunity. Jack smashes his hand into a table and Kate and Jack come up with this ruse to get the tracking code for the for the override device from Adrian by having Kate go in and threaten to kill him. So there's a lot going on here with Steve. I quite like this. Um, I, I, I don't... The one thing I don't like, and I've talked about it many times before, is that from the moment the villain is revealed. This is a trope and it's the last time it's used. The villain, or, or the mole, I should say, then looks suspicious. But before then, never even once, never even once looks suspicious before their betrayal is revealed to us. But as soon as it happens, boom, everything they do, they're on the edge of being caught. Happened with Charles Logue and it's happened with with various characters. And it happens with, uh, with Steve Navarro here. And I, that's my one reservation about all of this. Well... <sighs> When you look at, you know, what's 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 one thing you can guarantee in every season of 24? A bomb and a government official being a mole. Those are two things that you can pretty much count on in every season. So when when the season started, you know, at, at first, you kind of, I mean, I guess you I guess you can say Mark was a mole too, but no, not in harsh. the same. No, not, he was a, he was a mole. Okay, he said a Jack. mole. He he just he he gave Jack. Jack he gave Jack's information to the Russians. That's just and, treason. But okay, that makes him a mole. Well, you realize, you realize how many but lies. Work, he, but he's not working against the. He's not working against the country's interest, is he? He's he's doing what he thinks is right. Like it's well, not. He, he you know. is working. He he is working against the country's interests. As soon as the country started working with Jack, inadvertently, yeah. I, I'm not having him as a mole, though. I I, I get your he point. This, but he was this close to screwing up the entire mission when the Russians when the Russians he's not working Jack. for the terrorists, is he? Like, what do you call the Russians? They're Russians. They want revenge. He didn't know that Stolnavich was working with Cheng and wanted to do all this. They just wanted Jack Bauer because he killed a load of their people four years ago. Anyway, well, besides the point. Still, anyway, he's still a mole. So at the beginning, at the beginning of the season, I kind of, I kind of thought that maybe Mark was going to turn out to be the 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 villainous mole because of the way they were portraying him throughout the first half of the season, I guess. But at the same time. You can't be surprised at Steve Navarro because he's a, he's another person that the actor is another person that you look at him and without even knowing the context of his role, you kind of get the villainous vibe just by looking at him and the way and the way that, you know, he was the only one that just kept constantly driving home what happened to Adam and and that. Kate is trying to make amends for not knowing that Adam was a traitor. And the, the, the fact that he just kept driving that point home, you kind of knew that they were building something that, you know, that, 
this Adam, this Adam story wasn't something that was just going to go away. Mm. And of course, Steve, Steve in the interrogation, I, I really like this. Um, even Strahovski is fantastic when she finds out about Adam and, and, and the truth that Navarro set her, set her husband up. I think she's really good there and, and reacting with Jack. Um, and then, of course, you do come to the, the actual interrogation. Jack, as ever, in fine form, first brushing off Eric Ritter and, and saying, well, I'm going to do what I want, basically. Uh, what was it? I, that was me being courteous, he says, about uh, interrogating Steve and um, then bashes Steve's hand into the table, which is really lovely. And then a very Jack-esque, or, or maybe even Tony with Henderson, you know, the, the, Kate going in and holding her, holding Steve at gunpoint, threatening to kill him, being very, very on the edge about about potentially killing him. Um, maybe Renee as well. I think it kind of reminds me of. And it's a ruse that's made very clear as soon as the as, as it's up because Jack's on the com and they were listening. Gavin was listening in. It was clearly a plan, and it's a fantastic plan. It's one of those that there's a good chunk of it where you wonder if she's actually doing this just to kill him and trying to get revenge and, and not, you know, we've seen characters before that immunity's on the table for Steve and suddenly, nope, he, he, he needs to die. That's, that's possibly what she was thinking. It's a credit to, to Kate Morgan as a performer um, within the show that she makes it so convincing that actually she believes it, but um, Strahovski superb in that episode. I, I like the, the fact that, it goes back to the point that, like I said, Jack is past the point of asking for permission. He's past the point of caring at this point. He knows the he knows that there is no way that they will let him interrogate Steve again. He knows that. So, and he knows that Kate is emotional, to say the least. And I don't know. I don't think it's ever. Um, stated who came up with that idea. No, I, but I suspect it was probably a combination of them, if not possibly. I mean, I'd, I'd almost kind of lean into that Kate said she wanted to kill him and then Jack kind of came was like, how about you pretend to? That, 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 in my head, that's how the conversation goes. <laughs> I, can, I, can, I can see that. Or, or Kate, or Kate is, is, you know, begging them to let her talk to him and they say no and then you know jack says come here i've got an idea or something of that to that effect but it was just so masterfully done because when it first happens if you're watching it for the first time and you don't know how it ends you really think that kate has gone off the deep end like she's I gone mean, full re-watching it re-watching it obviously i knew that she doesn't kill him but i would kind of like is this real is she but is she genuinely on the edge of killing him? And then you see at the end that, no, okay, no, this was a plan. And obviously having not watched it in six years, that, that, that tracks, you know, watching this for the first time, I, I could, I'm pretty certain that uh, I'd have felt the same and not sure, obviously if, if she kills him, but certainly if it was a, a plan or whether it was genuine. Exactly. And that, that's how I felt when I first watched it. And, you know, having her, Put the put the gun to his head and having Steve panic and and Jack coming in and telling Kate to put the gun down and then when 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 Steve gives that code and 
Jack, you know, says to Gavin, did you get that? And Gavin runs it and sees that it's working. You can see the, the, the look on Steve's face. Like he knows that he's been got. <laughs> and then Kate bats away. Like you could tell she still wants to kill him, obviously. But, and then another great line in, in the, in the season where she says, you're going to be convicted for treason and you're going to get the death penalty and I'm going to be there to watch. <laughs> and just this look on her face as she says that before she leaves, it's just, it's, it's really, the whole scene was really well done. I, I, and that's probably one of my favorite scenes of the season. Yeah, it is exceptional. And of course, following on from this, they track the override device back to Major Cross's hideout, where he is already dead, along with the rest of Open Cell and Chloe's been taken because Cheng Z is back in the picture. With the exception of Logan, Cheng was kind of Jack's ultimate foil. You know, he's the one he's the one major villain that got away. You know, he tortured him for, what was it, 18 months in a Chinese prison. And he never really caught him at the end of that season. So it's, it's, it's kind of poetic in a way that he would be the last villain that Jack would have to go through because they have so much history. I mean, for all the stuff that we say about season six, one of the bright spots was Chang's involvement. Because I always, I always enjoyed him as a villain. He's one of those villains that I thought they could do more with, but they didn't. They just kind of brought him in when it was convenient. They didn't really devote an entire season to him being the villain like they did with Logan, which I thought was kind of a missed opportunity. Um, but it was, it was a good, a good uh, nice little surprise up until the point where, you know, he kills Audrey. <laughs> we'll come on to that but yeah i mean i do like Cheng in this and and i sort of like logan at the end of season eight but they both have a similar feel to me and this one especially and bizarrely the thing that comes into my head is power rangers and that kind of habit that they it felt like they had where at the end of the series each iteration of the series it's like okay let's get the big villain that we thought we'd gotten rid of and let's get them in you know for this like big showdown and I kind of, I kind of get that, but it feels a little bit, I don't know. It feels a little bit um, too big picture for 24. You know, the Cheng, Cheng was gone. Like he was gone. He was arrested at the end of season six. He had that great line of uh, saying that my people never abandon me like you abandoned Jack Bauer. And of course we come to find out that they did in fact abandon him like they had abandoned jack bauer <laughs> um he he had a power grab and and lost and they exiled him so he is working of course against his own country which he describes as not being his country anymore but it, it like he was out of the picture and a lot of his villain stuff has never really been too villainous to me like he he kidnapped jack at the end of season five season four it was all about just trying to get justice for his console that obviously his own people killed fine but jack bauer is responsible and then kidnapping jack felt like that justice and then the stuff with 
with Philip at the end of season six was kind of just trying to advance his own cause and or trying to advance China's cause and, and help his country. And it almost fell into the sort of Christopher Henderson patriotism type angle, didn't it? And then this just making him like he's he's an outlier he's on his own he's an outright bad guy doing things for nefarious reasons it's i don't know it it feels like they're trying to have this epic final showdown of course they do and and it's great but it 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 just doesn't quite track fully for me i think when you think about it he's right but he's also wrong I mean, yes, his his people did abandon him for the most part, but as we see in in season nine, um, apparently there was a group of people that did not abandon him. So, and th- and this goes back to what I was saying about Margot earlier. You arrest her, you send her to prison. There's always that chance that she could come back. So maybe if he would have did to Chang in season six, what he did to Margot earlier this season, you know, we wouldn't have this discussion. <laughs> you know. So it's 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 kind of everything coming full circle. You know, you're bringing Audrey back for the first time since season six. So rekindling that that Jack and Audrey storyline. And then you figure that the last time Audrey was in season six, she was kidnapped by Chang. So it kind of makes sense that Chang would be would be coming back in season nine as well. And then, you know, it kind of comes full circle again. You know, we'll see what happens, what happens later. But it just. It's basically like they wanted to. Wrap up the season six storyline, like maybe they felt they felt that, you know, they didn't really have any. uh, What do I say? resolution to season six of storyline. So maybe they wanted to put a little bow on that because they were, they were going to, they didn't really have any resolution to season eight storyline either. But as we saw at the end of the season, they kind of put a, put a bow on that as well. But I think they've kind of felt like there were some unfinished business that they wanted to tie up before the end of the season. Yeah, I, I, I can see it. I, I, I'm certainly not against it. It just felt a little bit weird. I, the one thing I am definitely not interested in and, and really don't like and wish they hadn't done was that Cheng's existence, the whole terrorist plot that he does, like the, the sub-attack on the Chinese carrier ship, new angle, new threat, new danger, new attack. That's quite good. I like that. It feels fresh. And, and we've talked about this before, that 24 after 192 episodes and... This is 204 by the end of this. It's difficult to find things that feel fresh. So I commend them for that. But then the fact that the whole thing is just for the purpose of starting a war, that's really boring, like really boring to me because like, but the whole thing is, is dealt in between president Wei and president Heller over the course of an hour and a half. And it's the, the stuff with the, 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 the Navy and the military and whatever, who are saying, oh, we need to advance this thing and get our readiness ready and raise the alert level. Like, it's just oh, so boring. I don't like it. At least when it was at least when it was Peter Kingsley and the, the war over the, with the three countries in the Middle East uh, after the nuclear bomb. 
that there, there was interest in that because of the the Cypress audio and trying to stop it and and the the leadership stuff with David that felt quite interesting the actual starting of war really dull because it's too it's too big time again it's too big picture Jack Jack has stopped so many things but this goes far beyond him once it kind of if it, if it escalates into to a full-on war I guess but yeah that that's my that's that's not great I find but and I also don't know why the Russians are involved, or, or rather, I don't get why. I don't get why these Russians are particularly involved, and I don't get how it happens, and I don't get like there's no need. Stolnavit doesn't, to me, doesn't need to be involved in the Cheng stuff, and I don't really, I don't really feel like there's a a point where you go from oh Stolnavit is just a Russian bureaucrat looking to get justice for the attacks on his people and his friends and get Jack Bauer and he'll be a hero. I don't know where the line goes from that to he's working actively against the US and China and working with Cheng as, as, a, as, a, as a criminal, basically. It just kind of, they have a conversation and everything, like you assume it and then they have a conversation. Or, or rather someone makes the human knowledge in the show. I can't remember who it is. And then they talk on the phone and, and there's never, that feels like it should be a bigger thing than it is to me. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm overthinking it. Probably. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if, if you think about it, I mean, the Russians were behind the events of day eight as well. So, I mean, it's, it's, not inconceivable. It's not inconceivable that they will be, you know, have nefarious means. But it kind of, I think they mainly wanted to tie it into Jack's storyline. They didn't want Jack to just save the day and then just, you know, bring the Russians in during the time jump and just say, okay, Jack, it's time to come with us now. But I think, I think remember the, the conversation we had a, a, a little while back where, I told you that after the events of day eight, that um, Suvorov was basically installed back into power, and you just like had a meltdown because you didn't <laughs> because you <laughs> yep. because you didn't know. Yep. Um, I wonder because I can't. I don't know the timeline of when he was put back in power. If he was put back in power before or after the events of of day nine. Well, given that Jack's involved in the whole stuff with that. I'm guessing it's before because he's definitely not going to be involved if it's after surely. I can't remember, but I have to look that up. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, I, I, I see your point. I see your point though. Like I just, I don't think like the Russians want Jack. We know this. That's, that's kind of enough of a reason for them to be there. Having Cheng finance the Russians to, to take out um, the car and, and, and take Jack just felt a little bit too much. Well, it's it's like I said, Bradley, it's connecting stories together, not having yeah. a story that's completely separate from the rest of the season. So with that being said, I enjoyed it because it didn't feel it didn't feel like they were trying to tell two stories at one time. And and plus they had to make what Mark was doing. They had to make it a more grander betrayal. Like it's one it's one thing to just, you know, want to turn Jack over to the Russians because of what you perceive he did to your wife. Um, that's one thing. But 
when you do that and it, it puts lives, other lives at risk and the country's um, safety at risk, it makes it more, it makes it more of a big deal than just Mark trying to get revenge on Jack, which by itself is kind of a tame storyline for Jack standards. Making it happen on a more grander scale and then having Mark realize that, you know, if, if they go to war, who's the, who's going to benefit? Well, that would be the Russians. So it, it kind of, it kind of makes sense. Um, at some, at, at some point it, becomes convoluted because you've got, you got too many villains at one time here. I mean, you're still tracking down Adrian Cross. You haven't figured out he's dead yet. You've got Chang. You've got the Russians. You've got all of this. You just killed Margot. So through the first, I don't know, what was it? Seven, eight episodes. You only have one villain. And like through the last, through the last four, you have like four. So I mean, so they they kind of crammed a lot into those last four episodes. Uh, when you think about it, when you start thinking about everything that happened, not even including the time jump, which I'm just gonna say it, I thought they screwed up royally because having everything happen in 12 hours and then all of a sudden, boom, we jump forward 12 hours. I thought it was stupid, but anyway, so. Cramming a lot into those last four hours, I just thought when you when you might have been a little bit too convoluted and a lot to keep up with and a lot to not lose track of in those last four hours. Yeah. Well, the simple thing that we do need to talk about is that Audrey ended up getting killed. She was in a situation where she went to her contact. You're shaking your head already. But let me let me just run through what happened. So she's gone to her contact to push the U.S.'s case that. It wasn't them who gave the order on the Chinese carrier. Chen kills her and, and her secret service agents and then has a sniper trained on Audrey. Kate goes to try and save Audrey. She manages to kill the sniper, saves Audrey, but then there's a second shooter that comes from nowhere, uh, fires a load of bullets at the, at the CIA guys and hits Audrey and Audrey dies. And of course that leads, once he finds out about it, Jack to go on this rampage at the docks and kill Cheng. But Audrey, you're clearly not very happy. I just don't understand it, Bradley. Why? What, what was what, the purpose of what, bringing Audrey back just to kill her? Well, I mean, I mean, if that, I mean, just kill Hell, just kill Heller. He's too old. harsh. He's old. He's, wow, he's old. Wow, that's a that's a take. He's old, he's so let's old. kill him. He's 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 old. He's got Alzheimer's. In a year, he's not going to know anybody in the room. But Heller, so, I mean, Heller's death wouldn't do anything for Jack. It just kind of like like obviously he'd feel it, but. So he can't go on a rampage when Heller dies? No, he would. He definitely would not. Heller was like a father to him. Well, like Tony was like his best friend, but he didn't go on a rampage when he died. He he didn't. What? He put a bullet in Heller. I mean, in um, Henderson in cold blood. Yeah, that was like nine hours later. After he trapped him down, yeah. Compared to compared to what he does for Audrey here, and what he did for Renee in season eight, and what he did after finding out that Kim was supposed to be dead in season one. That was nothing. Absolutely nothing. That was. Well, there was there was multiple people involved in those deaths, Bradley. Henderson was the only person involved <laughs> in Tony's. Okay, well, I mean, it's besides the point. The the the, the killing Audrey goes makes him go on this rampage. I mean, my issue with it is that it's complete nonsense. That 
for two things with this one kim gets a lot of criticism for being like kim's always getting kidnapped that's the thing that gets thrown at early season of 24 kim's always getting kidnapped right how many times has audrey been kidnapped i never hear this thing said against audrey she was kidnapped what three four times in season four happened a couple of times in season five Obviously, she was kidnapped by Cheng in between season five and six. And then here, she's been put in a situation where she's got a sniper trained on her. But no one ever seen, you know, there's no complaints about that. So I find that strange. Anyway, I, she always ends up in these situations and, and always gets out of them, of course. And, and this one, she doesn't, which in theory, I'm fine with because the impact that it has on, 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 on Jack, that's fantastic. But the way it happens, the fact that she's saved, she's she's alive, she's fine, and then all of a sudden this guy comes out of absolutely nowhere, fires a load of bullets, gets hit. Like, he's not technically trying to kill her, is he? He's just trying to shoot at the people that are there, that he knows the CIA and that he knows that Audrey's there. And she's the one that, the, the only one that gets shot. She gets by, hit by one bullet. The guy just gets away. It's completely blindsiding and completely random. That's what I don't like about it. I don't like the premise, period. I mean, this is this is a, this is another one of 24's hired tropes. Oh, Chad's got a love interest. Well, let's put a bull in there. You know, it's 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 after eight after nine seasons. You know, I mean, how how many of Jazz's love interests have either have been killed? The only one that survived that I can think of is Kate Warner and um, played by Connie Britton in season five. Exactly. I mean, you got his wife. You got Nina. I mean, you got Renee. You got Audrey. I mean, this is is, at at some point, it's like, when does it end? When he gets taken to Russia and imprisoned. When Jack can't be happy. We know this. But you, you, you think that this is probably the last season of 24. I mean, why? Would you end the series like this? Because we it need Jack makes, to go on one more big rampage because it was really fun the last time he did it. You don't need to kill Audrey to have him go on a rampage. He's already suicidal as it is. Well, okay, so this is what I want to talk about because I feel like I didn't pick up on this or certainly I read back my review from, from seven years ago and I don't feel like I, I picked up on it enough, certainly, that Jack goes to kill himself, doesn't he? When he finds out that Audrey's been been killed... He takes off the rifle. This is the point of the, that, that scene, that he takes off the rifle and pulls out his handgun. And he's probably five seconds away from killing himself before he hears the Chinese, the, the Chinese guys running around the boat and realizes that he needs to go and take his revenge on them and, and not just give up. That, that feels... I'm fairly sure we've not had... You know, some of the stuff in season two and his, sacri- his going and sacrificing himself in season two with, with the plane and the bomb. There's an element of that, but I don't think from memory we've ever been in this situation before. I don't think we've ever had the point where Jack has genuinely outright considered like ending his own life separate from doing it for a, for a just cause. Well, I mean, I mean, to be honest, Jack has been on a suicide mission since Terry died. Yeah, so so this is what this is what I'm saying. Like he he's obviously always put himself in these dangerous situations. He doesn't really have the regard that if I die, then I die. But it's always in a position where 
he's doing something for the greater good. So he's flying the bomb into the desert to save the city. He's um, what other scenarios? Like, he, okay, the 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 bioweapon in season seven. He knows that he's going to get exposed and it it's lethal in whatever, but he's getting close to the city and he can't be having the bioweapon being released near Washington DC. So he goes in and, and risks his own life. And obviously without Kim's treatment, it, he would die. Don't forget the beginning of season six. Yeah, exactly. And he's like, like, but again, that's trying to stop, trying to stop Assad when he thought that he was a terrorist. And this is all the bombings and all the, all the carnage and all the deaths that are happening in the country are going to end. It, he's no stranger to being in a situation where if he dies, he's fine with it. But it's always for the for a purpose. This is no purpose. This is just him at his absolute lowest, I think. And and there was a, a, a Facebook group post I mean I, I saw earlier asking for ranking of the top five deaths that hit you, as as in me, you, whoever that's commenting, and the top five deaths that hit Jack, and seeing what the differences are in the list. And thinking about it, I would put I would now put Audrey above Terry on that list as the one that hit him hardest because that kind of Terry broke him into the thing that he's been for the last eight seasons, but didn't push him over the edge quite like Audrey has here. This, this is, this is it. This is kind of, this is the ultimate low for him, I think. And, and fair play to live another day for actually putting us in this position. Would he have still been in that same state had Audrey died in season six? What the state that he or, gets to at the end of this? Yeah. Would he still be in that same no, state? No, because because or, we saw what he was he... like when Audrey was dead. We saw his reaction when Audrey was dead, and he, and he kind of he was very highly emotional and and broken up, but he kind of got on with it. But obviously, when you do throw in um, the way that he got he got disbanded from or, or, or dispatched from Audrey's life at the end of season six, and then the stuff that happens in season seven with Tony, and then stuff in season eight with Renee and Omar Hassan. It, it it pushes him even further. So, yeah. So I think I think it was less about the person, that being Audrey. He wouldn't. He wouldn't, about, he wouldn't have done it for Hella. He would not. I I know you you think about the revenge. Like he might possibly. I'll, I'll let you have that. He might have gone on a revenge spree for Hella, but he would never have gotten this low for Hella dying. It just wouldn't have happened. Audrey, Audrey is the only one because he had such that connection to her. They they were together for as long as they were. He never stopped loving her for the last what twelve years, I guess, since season four, something like that. That that connection is so important and huge to him. That yeah, I, I it, it's only her that could have done this to him. At the same time, it wasn't just her. It, he did the same thing with Renee. So it's. It goes back to the point to where I don't think he would have went on that same revenge spree in season six if she had died. I think it was the culmination of Renee and Tony and Curtis and Omar Hassan and what was happening to him in season nine. I think it was the culmination of that on top of, you know, it goes back to remember what Helen said at the end of season six. Everything that you touch ends up dead, and you know it come it 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 comes true. And Jack and Jack has to know that that 
he gave Heller his word that he would keep Audrey safe. He did that way back in season four. And now here we are 12 years later and she's dead. And it's because of Jack. At the end of the day, you can say what you want, but it's really because of Jack that she's dead. And Jack knows that. And I think that is what sends Jack on this revenge spree. Um, because he's just, he's at his breaking point at this, at this particular point because he has nothing left. I mean, of course he's got Kim, but everybody else that's close to him has, is dead. So, I mean, what else does he have? So I think that that was a motivating, motivating factor in that quote unquote revenge spree part two. What do you make of it? The actual, the actual spree? It's kind of a, a rushed, shortened, dumbed down version of his revenge spree from season eight. And also the Drazen one. I feel like it doesn't even, it's not quite as good as the Drazen one either. On one hand, you know, in season eight, when he goes and kills all these Russians, they spread it out like over a couple of episodes. This all happens in like a, I don't know, two minute period. Which is why I compare it to the Drazen one, because that was, that's how that was. I did, I did, you know, the, the death of Chang was a lot more gruesome than the death of Drazen though. I mean, when he, when he takes the, when he takes the sword and after they verify that it's Chang and facial recognition and everything like that, and he just basically cuts his head off Highlander style, you know, it's kind of, <laughs> that was, that was just a little bit on the gruesome side. Um, but that also shows that where Jack is at this point, um, because you've never seen that from Jack before. I mean, that, that, that particular death or that particular kind of death, is something that you've never seen Jack do before. So in that, in that respect, I kind of, I kind of enjoyed it. Um, it was a little bit less suspenseful than the Drazen revenge spree um, at the docks. So but the death, I enjoyed the death of Chang more than Drazen because all he did with Drazen was just shoot him a couple of times and then he fell back into the water. So this one was a little bit more on the gruesome side, but it was also a much better visual. It's also more satisfying because we actively dislike Chang, whereas Drazen kind of... Drazen, Drazen was evil, we know that, but it's not really like... You don't hate him we, in the same way you do. We weren't, given, we weren't given enough time to hate Drazen as much as we were Chang. Yeah. Because Chang, remember at this point, Chang had been involved in, what was it, three seasons at this point? Yeah, this is fourth season that he appears in. Yeah, so four, five, six, and, and nine. So it's, it's, we were given enough time to officially hate Chang especially after everything he did when he captured Jack and then he let Jack go and then he captured Audrey. So Chang had done enough at this point to make you hate him. Probably more so than Logan, to be honest with you. Yeah, agreed. I'm just going to throw in one, one more of my England portrayal criticisms, which is that they drive, they drive from London to the Southampton docks, which are about two minutes away from where I used to live when I went to university and um, it takes them about 10, 15 minutes. In reality, it's a similar distance if you were to drive from New York to Philadelphia. So 
I don't know whether you particularly know where the, the context of that, but where the <laughs> listeners do, just as a comparison, that's how far it is. It's like 90 miles. It would take two hours to drive here. So no, I'm not having that. I don't like that. No, stop it, 24. Do better. Well, I mean... It's worse than the pub. It's worse than the pub thing. At least that one, I can't... Okay, it's, it's sort of near. Fine, I'll let it go. This, no, not even close. Well, where, where were they before they drove to the docks? They were, they were in London. They were in South London. So you said it takes about two hours to drive to the docks? It would take, it would take an hour and a half, two hours, depending on traffic, yeah. To direct, because it's not, like, it's not London. It's a different city that this is that, that, that takes place in. So what, you're, so what you're saying is this would have been a perfect spot for a uh, miniature time jump. <laughs> this would have been a perfect spot for a miniature time jump. Yes, I will give okay. you that. <laughs> I will give you that. I actually, I'm fairly okay with the, the way they handled the time jump. But actually now that I look at this, I am now furious that they did not use the time so to actually say. So you're, seeing, from, so you're seeing. Specifically you're gone seeing from my, London to Southampton. So you're seeing my point of how ridiculous the time jump was. Yes. Uh, well, there were several, I, there I, were see, several I'm points. seeing your point in how ridiculous it was, but as always, and, and you know, they do this a lot in 24. Like there's the, the, the nuclear warhead stuff is in, I think in Iowa in season four. And I can't remember the, the timing on it, but it should take them like, it should take them about three or four hours to get it to the staging area. It takes about 35 minutes and like things like that, that, that you kind of, I pay attention to in, in terms of the numbers of 94 mile. I think it was, like you, you know that this should be done in longer time than it actually takes. But to actually have this where I, I know the distances, I know where places are, and I could say with certainty that is not a thing. I'm not, I, you'd have to drive 300 miles an hour, I think I saw. So, um, yeah, use the time jump. Use the time jump to cover 20, 24 has had so many issues with things taking less time than they actually should use the tide jump to cover some of it. Now you've got it. Well, <laughs> I, I said before the season, before the season even started, because before the season started, we had no idea how they were going to incorporate these time jumps. I think, I feel like I remember they said they were going to, they, they were going to be a little bit uh, flexible with it. I, I kind of got the impression months before that there might be, like That's what you call to... flexible. Well, no, no, but obviously before we knew anything about it, but like, I feel like the impression I got from the months before was that we say, for example, and, and this could be me misinterpreting what they said, but we might get it from 11 a.m. to 2 a.m. 2 p.m. first three episodes and then jump an hour and we'll start again at 3 p.m. the next episode and then we'll get to 7 p.m. and then we might skip ahead three hours and, and, and it would happen in little increments like that. Obviously what happens instead is that we get to the last act break and it jumps forward from 10 40 in the evening to 10 45 in the morning the next day, which is surreal. I mean, it was, it was a very, I mean, I'm, I'm no writer, you know, obviously, but it seems like a very easy solution. You have 12 episodes. They take place over a 24 hour period. Now my math is not always the best, but 24 divided by 12 is two hours. So, have each episode take place over a two-hour period. But then it's Seems... not real time. But then it's not real time, Joel. That's the whole point of 24. Well, then they should have had 24 episodes in, Bradley, if they wanted to do it oh, real time. Yeah. I mean, structurally, <laughs> structurally, it makes sense, because we see this every season was, apart was... from eight. But, but, it, but 
logically it does, right? Because in every season apart from eight, we have the end of the plot, right? We have, you know, actually season one as well doesn't do this, but we have, you know, Peter Kingsley gets killed and the war is stopped in season two and, and Saunders is killed and the virus, the virus is contained in season three. I'm not going to go through them all, but you see the point. And everything always happens with some time to go. And then you have the epilogue. So in season five, it's it's Bill giving Chloe the, the picture of her and Edgar and Jack getting kidnapped, like being discovered that he's got kidnapped and um, all, all these things that happen at the end as a kind of wrapping everything up. All the stuff at the end with Jack in, in season three talking to Palmer about his re-election. These kind of things. So structurally, it makes sense because 24 does this nat- fairly naturally within the one-hour stuff that you get to a certain point after Act 3 and the story is ended. And you could stop it there because all the main stories ended. It would just be fairly unsatisfying because you've got the emotional stuff that you need to wrap up with three or four people and just tie up the loose ends. And you can do that at any point. And they prove that here because Kate, the next morning, leaving CIA after filing all her paperwork and Mark being transferred back after his committing treason and Heller being at the at the airport to take Audrey back home and having that speech with Davies and of course Jack sacrificing himself to the Russians to save Chloe all of these things structurally and logically the way that 24 operates it makes sense that they've done this time jump now as kind of well we finished the main part of the story and now let's epilogue it and just wrap it up yeah but I didn't I didn't like it Bradley I didn't say you had to like it I'm I'm just explaining like it it makes sense I, I, I kind of I, said, I, mean, I, think I about, do think, like it. Think but. about think about all of the downtime that they had during those twelve episodes, like the like the driving to uh, the pub that you were so vehemently upset about. But you can't jump it. You can't jump it in the middle of an episode. Then you lose. Like I say, I say that it. You need to because because I I get this from a trying to keep real time value as well because you 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 just skip 12 clean hours whereas i don't think you could say you know at 115 we're going to jump forward 30 minutes and when we come back we're going to be at 145 with with 25 minutes left of the episode that doesn't that doesn't sit right with me there was plenty of 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 downtime like think about it like this after after they captured jack in the in the first episode and they brought him to the interrogation room that was a dead period they could have they could have jumped and said you know an hour later and then steve navarro goes in to interrogate jack but that's, that's not that's real really time bad, but that's a really bad look at like oh we've done five minutes of of story and now we're just gonna miss an hour that seems really weird well that's the whole point of the time jump there bradley i mean if that's the case they should have did 24 episodes okay let me ask you a question would you have rather it stay at 12 episodes and the finale end at 11 p.m. So it's a 12-hour story, and that's it. No, because that's not 24. That's 12. There's no pleasing you, is there? <laughs> it's, not, it's not 12 starring Jack Bauer. It's 24 starring Jack Bauer, okay? It's, 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 it's the whole point. If, if you wanted to do the time jump, you should have been able to incorporate it in the episode because there was plenty, there was plenty of downtime in the episode. But when Steve when Steve sends Jordan to go pick up the drop, you didn't have to pick up right when he got there. But there's other went, things happening. He does, but it doesn't. But it, he that takes like half an hour for him to get there, and other things are happening in the meantime elsewhere. 
Jack's trying to Jack's trying to evade missiles and things. Exactly, and and that's another thing. Going to the hospital from where they were, that's another dead period. All of this, all of this traveling that they're doing, and they're showing us conversations that they're having in the car, and stuff that we don't need to hear. I don't, I don't care about Jack getting on the phone with Audrey while he's in the car and having a moment. But that's so crucial. That's so crucial, Joe. What? No, it's not so crucial. It is for many reasons. Obviously, Jack's involvement with Audrey, but also for seeing the way that Kate reacts, because you see how, like, Kate clearly sees how much Jack still cares about Audrey, and then that feeds into the way that she reacts when he when she dies. Like, she's genuinely broken up about it. That this, no, oh, no, it's it's oh. not. They they could have incorporated that phone call at any point in time. They could have incorporated that phone call before they fake Taylor's death. They could have incorporated that phone okay, call. Okay, sorry, sorry. Let me. Sorry, I, I got the impression that the I, I may have um, reacted slightly uh, excessively and and slightly uh, out, out of right. Um, I got the impression that you were saying that you didn't need the conversation. You're just saying that it could go at any point of time. Yes. Okay. And fine. Any point. Acceptable. Any point in time that fit better into the story. They could have had the like the the conversation in the car between Kate and Jack when Kate stabs herself with the with the syringe. That was needed because that fit the story. They could have had the conversation with Audrey and Jack leading up to that. Any point in time, they could have had this, this emotional conversation between Jack and Audrey. But all of this traveling in the car and, and you know, following people and tracing them and all this stuff, they could have easily, easily put in a time jump there. Every episode should have taken place over a two-hour period. Now, the, the show is 24, so it obviously it can't happen in real time. So if that's the case, then you should have either done a full 24 episodes or had every episode take place over a two-hour period. Having a time jump at the end just so Jack can give himself up to the Russians is stupid. And there's plenty of, and there's plenty of chances for a time jump. We, me and you, just went over one of them very easily when he goes from South London to the docks. That's a time jump. Yeah, I'll let you have that one. I mean, it's, it's, it, it's so frustrating that they could have – and they did the same thing in – I mean, I know we're not going to review the series, but the season, but they did the same thing in Legacy. They had the whole – they had everything take place over a 12-hour period, and then in the last episode, boom, 12-hour time jump. It makes no sense. Why do that? I just don't. It, I do not understand it, Bradley, and it frustrates me. Okay. Well, I don't agree with you at all. But we'll we'll, we'll move on. The actual the ending itself with Jack giving in herself. So Chloe got kidnapped by the Russians at the docks after helping Jack infiltrate the Chinese, and Jack's offered a trade, basically himself for Chloe, and of course he he goes with it. And Jack gets on the helicopter with the Russians. Chloe gets into the car with Belichick and is, is safe. And Jack fly, is flown away back to Russia to face whatever punishment that is coming his way, probably the rest of his life in a, in a, in a gulag or somewhere. How do you feel about the actual, forget the time jump, the actual like final three, four minutes? Hated it. Why? Well, obviously, Bradley, because I've, We've we've been over this before. 
that if this was going to be it for 24, ending the series with Jack being taken into custody by the Russians, if you had no plans of a future season, makes no sense to me. Why would you end the series with Jack being taken into custody? I mean, because, Jack needs... So there, Jack so there, needs, is, there is a thing for this, because... Over the years, and we've, we've talked about it this season, that Jack has always said, okay, put me in the field and I'll deal with the consequences later. Every every year this happens, and, and rarely are there consequences. In fact, fairly, pretty much never does he then later, or do we see later on, that he has to face the consequences. He just kind of, the season ends, and then the next season he's doing something else or whatever. He never actually seems to face the repercussions of his actions until season seven season seven exists almost as as the way to do that the stuff with the russians that he did in season eight it deserves and 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 it, and it he, he very much needs to have that kind of punishment the russians have been after him for all this time and justifiably so he killed a lot of their people he was about to kill their president so from the aspect of um almost almost completionism and actually seeing jack face the consequences that he so often says that he will and that he knows he needs to, it works, doesn't it? No. And then if that if that was the case, they should have had they should have had him get captured at the end of season eight. And have him being being a Russian prison all this time. And then when season nine picks up, he escapes the Russian prison. I mean let's 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 be real here. I mean he's he he basically suffered he basically he did he did serve time for his for his crimes. I mean, think about what he did with the at the Chinese consulate. Yeah. He was he was punished for that. He was tortured for 18 months. So so he has been somewhat punished for some of his crimes. But to end the series, like I don't I don't know if there's gonna be another 24, but to end the series with him being captured by the Russians, that is the last image that we've had of Jack Bauer. Does not sit well with me. I don't like it. It's ridiculous and stupid, and I'm not happy about it. It works for me because Jack, he, he gives himself up. And when he gets on the helicopter, he seems almost relieved. He has that side, and, and it feels like it feels like he's he's definitely accepted it but it feels to me like he he's known this day was coming and and sort of almost part of him wants it that actually he's kind of tired of running and tired of not uh, of trying to get away from all of these things that he's done because he's done some horrible things we know this but it feels like you know he's lost audrey he's lost all these people in the past he's got chloe that's his friend and i guess we can call belcheck his friend that's it that, that's all he has. He has nothing else. And so he's long estranged from Kim and his his grandchildren. And like, what else is there for him? You know, he, he could go back to America, but then he's looking over the shoulder for the rest of his life because the Russians are still after him. And he knows that Chloe will never be safe. He knows that anyone he's with will never be safe. And and like you said, you said about um, Audrey and him knowing that it's his fault. And yeah, it is. Quite frankly, it is his fault, and it's it's his fault for many of the people that have died that have been close to him. Like Hella said, everyone who comes near Jack ends up dead, and 
Jack's tired of it. Like he, he went to kill himself in this episode, in that finale, because of another death that's on his head that that he knows that he loves, and he's inadvertently caused. And this is it. This is this is the ultimate avoidance because there's nothing left for him in the world. There's nothing left for him to give the world. There's nothing left for him to take from the world because everything always just winds up going wrong, and he gets completely completely emotionally ruined by it. So ultimately going with the Russians it's penance finally for everything that he's done. Not to end the entire series, Bradley. Maybe at the beginning of the, of the season he could have been captured by the Russians and then broke out at some point or he could have been captured at the end of season eight. Why were they so why were they because at season, at season eight you know they didn't have plans for season nine. So they didn't have any plans for Jack to serve his penance at the end of season eight. No, but I was fine with him being on the run. They had they had him they had him escape. They had him go on the run. They didn't want him to serve his penance at the end of season eight. So why now suddenly do they want him to serve his time? Jack Bauer's season should have ended one of two ways. One is him finally getting away and ending this saga with the Russians. Or two, his death. Should have ended one of two ways. Those are the only two ways that it should have ended. When you capture him and put him in a Russian prison, you're leaving the door open for another season. And, spoiler alert, there hasn't been one. Basically, the last shot we have of Jack Bauer is him getting into a helicopter and being taken to a Russian prison. That does not sit well with me, Bradley. No, I can understand that. I can understand that. Um, I don't know whether it would have worked if they they they'd killed him. I don't know whether I'd have been in favor of that or not. But yeah, pot- potentially. You'd rather him serve time in a Russian prison as opposed to sacrificing himself to save the day. That would have been a more that would have been that's a more satisfying ending to you, Bradley. No, it's hard to tell. It's hard to tell because. You know, don't know what it, I don't know what that would have looked like, but like I said, I'm I'm happy with him giving himself up and 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 facing facing his crimes. Well, I think sacrificing himself to save the day would have been a would have been a good way to go. It's it's true. It would have been pretty good. Um, the one thing the one thing I I do um, not question, but just kind of a little bit less satisfying than the the season eight finale is just the emotional punch that the the final scene between Jack and Chloe gives, which is fairly minimal on its own, but certainly in comparison to the one at the end of season eight. So that was, um, that's a bit of a shame, but I guess you can't really do the, the heavy emotional thing between them twice. I mean, they had the little moment, you know, they, when they touch hands before, you know, on the way by and him saying, looking on my family and I guess it works. You know, he's basically, he's basically saving Chloe's life. So he basically saves one last life before he turns himself over to the Russians so I guess it makes sense. Doesn't mean I like it, but I guess it makes sense. Kind of annoys me, but I guess it makes sense. So I guess I'll go with it. <laughs> I also don't have any choice. Yeah, I also prefer the uh, the silent clock with the correct time as opposed to the counting down clock from season eight. Well, you always were a stickler for the details, Bradley. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I am. <laughs> I mean, the, the side of the clock doesn't really 
I mean, let's be honest here. It's not like they always give a side of the clock where they should, Bradley. <laughs> We're not getting into that. We're not getting into that. You know, I'm still I'm still upset about that. And I'm still going to be upset about that. Yep. I know. I know. But it is a silent clock and it does end the series because as we've stated before, 24 Legacy doesn't exist to us. Well, it does. It does. It does exist, Bradley. It's very, it's very, it's very real and it's very there. We're not talking about it. Just no, it doesn't, <laughs> and it doesn't does, exist in our stratosphere. And it does, and it does have Tony Almeida in it. Don't care. Don't care. So it has, that's 24, it that's 24 rats, original. Joel. We, we finished. We finished 24. We're done. <laughs> we finished all but, the episodes. There's there's te- there's technically one more season, Bradley. No, no, refuse to acknowledge it. Come on, Bradley, and it ties back to the original. Tony Almeida. <laughs> and I will take this to my grave. Tony Almeida should have been in season nine. I don't care how they did it, but Tony should have been in season nine. Having Having Tony just sit there and rot in prison, he's already served his penance. Have him be out on a work release or something. I don't care. But he should have been in season nine. Uh, have him have them release him and have him work for the CIA or something like that. I don't care. Well, if you agree with Joel and have ideas on how they could have utilized Jack, uh, uh, Tony Almeida in Live Another Day, then do get in touch. You can go to Twitter, at the 24 podcast. You can go to the website, 24faithful.com. Or you can leave a voicemail at 405-771-0567. I'm sure Joel would love to hear your theories. But um, next week, we'll be back to, to, to wrap up Live Another Day and, and talk about the season as a whole. Um, we're coming very close to the end of 24, so I do hope you'll stick with us and see us out. Thank you very much for listening and see you next week. <laughs>